Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to an episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you in the office. It's Thursday. It's been a beautiful day. I hope you've had a beautiful week. It's been one. I mean, we've been kind of hot, been kind of cool, been all right. Now it's back to hot. We never know what's happening around here. But I know that what's going on is just the way God wants it. So with that, I want to share a message with you. I, I have dabbled I've got books everywhere. <laughs> I've got half read, quarter read, couple pages read, chapter here, chapter there of, I don't know, there's five, six, seven books laying here on my desk, one in there by my chair. I'm doing a story time with Buster on Saturday out of one book, uh, but I've got bits and pieces that I've preached messages out of as I just glance at these books, one of which is a message I'm going to bring you today. I've actually done a little bit. I've dabbled in this book. I haven't gotten very far in it, but it's a book from Francis Chan, and I am a big Francis Chan fan. If you don't know who he is, you need to dig into what he's got. He's written several books. He's an incredible minister, uh, has an incredible story. Uh, God has blessed him immensely, but it's been because of his faithfulness. It's been because of his humbleness. It's been because uh, Francis Chan's a, a, a what you would consider a mega church pastor. He does not he does not live like a mega church pastor, at least not as we see most. Uh, this man gives away a great deal. His books are phenomenal. Uh, many of you will recognize several of his books the minute you see titles that are by Francis Chan. This particular one is called Until Unity. I've taken this from a Bible study out of this particular book uh, called Until Unity. I've, I, like I said, I've preached a little bit already out of this book, uh, and I'm sure there will be more if I can ever get back to reading it, but I just kind of go with the flow. So I'm going to share with you one mission out of Francis Chan's book, Until Unity. Now, this is, this is kind of in his text. This is in his phrasing. Uh, I'll personalize it a little bit. I'll, I'll dabble with it a little bit to make it where I want it to be. But for the most part, this is coming from Francis Chan's heart. He writes this. I was a teenager when I understood what Jesus did on the cross. My natural inclination was to tell my friends about the forgiveness of God and to warn them about the coming judgment. I would cut class to tell people about Jesus. Not real sure that was a good idea, but he did. I probably brought a hundred friends to my youth group so they could hear about Jesus. Now, I would like to ask those of you that are still in the young people versions here, you bringing that many people to your youth group? What an incredible thought. He brought a hundred friends to his youth group so they could hear about Jesus. He says, I dreamed of getting the whole school to hear the gospel. I was obsessed with reaching my friends. That was Francis Chan who wrote that. He goes on to say this, The longer I was part of the church, however, the less focused I was on the mission. I spent more time with other Christians, and I had fewer and fewer unbelieving friends. We rarely stirred one another to action as God had commanded. Our version of fellowship became going out for coffee or taking, talking about our families. The more we neglect our mission the less chance we have of seeing true unity. Our common mission is supposed to lead us toward unity. And that's unity with Christ, along with being unified with each other as a body of believers. He says, we become united, not because we work at it, but because we stay focused on our purpose on earth. We stay busy 
at our common goals of reaching the unreached, caring for the poor, and equipping believers for ministry. The byproduct of pursuing a common goal is oneness. Unity is a byproduct of mission. Once we take our eyes off our calling and look at ourselves or each other, conflicts can start creeping in. This can become true if not only of us, but also of our whole family and our own entire church. Like a marriage that has no purpose, many churches have forgotten the point of their existence. I want to pause right here for just a minute and interject some things. I like how he places this. Remember that, that, that Paul, when he, in Ephesians and Corinthians and multiple places, he used the, the metaphorical marriage, the husband and wife, to, to recognize as the body of Christ, the church. But like a marriage that has no purpose, many churches have forgotten the point of their existence. What is the purpose of the church? The church is the body of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. What is the purpose that we have here on this earth? I mean, think about this for a minute. You married couples. Does your marriage have no purpose? I mean, was there not a goal in mind when you when you got married to, to live a life together, to share life with one another, to maybe raise a family together? I mean, what would be the point of having a marriage with no purpose? It's the same with a church who's forgotten the point of their existence. The point of our existence is to lead people to Jesus Christ. To, to bring them to a place to secure their eternity. He goes on to say this, they can quickly focus on the complaints of other people rather than the cries of the lost. You do realize that we spend, as the body of Christ, as the church today, the common church today, that we spend more time worrying about people complaining about the music, the lighting, the temperature, the coffee that we serve in the coffee house, than we do about reaching the lost in our communities, our cities, right in our own backyards. Sad. We get more emotional over Christians leaving to go to a different church than we do about the dying that are going to go to hell. You understand what that says? We spend more time worrying about things that, that benefit the church itself than we do about those who are dying and going to hell. Something is horribly wrong when we grieve more deeply over people rejecting us than those who reject their Messiah. Paul was extremely fixated on the spread of the gospel and that he could rejoice over the gospel being spread even when it was done with wrong motives. There were times when Paul had to readdress some things because things were being done with wrong motives. But he was still fixated on the sharing of the gospel. He understood the urgency of the situation it wasn't hard for him to put his feelings aside when he saw that the true gospel was being preached. People were purposely attacking him, but it didn't faze him as long as the gospel was proclaimed. It's like a paramedic swearing at you while he's trying to save your spouse's life, maybe yelling at you to get out of the way, give them room, give them their space to work. So we can overlook our own feelings when someone we love is in serious danger. Our feelings are no longer important. It's all about them. Think about that for a minute with everything I've just said. Why are we not that way today? If we have eternal security and we know who we are in Christ, should we not be able to overlook our feelings for those that are in serious danger? We need to love the lost because they're in serious danger, and we need to get out of the way 
so that the, the, the salvation message can go through. We need to be the one presenting that message. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6, Paul writes this, So I, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is, to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior. A life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. With all humility, forsaking self-righteousness, and and gentleness, maintaining self-control. With patience, bearing with one another in unselfish love. Make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace, each individual working together to make the whole successful. There is one body of believers and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when called to salvation. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is sovereign over all and working through all and living in all. There is no greater danger than an eternity apart from God. Revelation chapter 21, 8 says this, But as for the cowards and the unbelieving and the abominable who are devoid of character and personal integrity and practice or tolerate immortality, or I'm sorry, immorality, and murderers and sorcerers with intoxicating drugs, and idolaters and occultists who practice and teach false religions, and all the liars who knowingly deceive and twist the truth, their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Do you understand what that's saying? The greatest danger is an eternity apart from God. This describes it quite well, and it really describes those who are going to be there. Those who are knowingly deceivers, practice false teachings, sorcerers, murderers, People who, who have personal integrity and practice and tolerate immorality. They're devoid of character. Living in the abominable. Unbelieving. That which will be the second death. Their, their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone. We need God to revive our concern for the destiny of the unbeliever. We've got to get a passion for the lost. You know, I end most of my broadcast talking about that's our mission with Living Loud Outdoors is to seek out that which is lost so that it may be found. Our role is to simply tell the message. We're to tell the story. We're to share the gospel. We're, we're to share our redemption story. We can't save anybody, but we're to give them the opportunity. Yeah, yesterday's message, that, that I think it was yesterday, somewhere in there where I preached the WWJD, is Jesus always confronted sin. He did so lovingly. Because he always loved first, but then he left them with a choice to turn away from their sin and follow him. It's always a choice. God doesn't send anybody to hell. He, he desires that all would come to him and find eternity with him. When we, when we see the, the passage where you know, someone talks about going to hell, it's because they chose to. It's not going to be because anybody sent them there. Nobody has that kind of power. That's our choice. When I sin, it's because I chose to sin. Nobody forced me to sin. There is no power greater than the power of God on this earth. So when I choose to go away from that power, it's by my choice. It's by my choice. It's by my. It's all on me. It's, I'm responsible for that decision. Matthew chapter 25, verse 46 says this. 
then these unbelieving people will go away into eternal unending punishment. But, oh, I love it when there's a but, those who are righteous and in right standing with God will go by his remarkable grace into eternal unending life. Man, what a powerful message. It's when we care about them enough that we will put aside our differences to reach them together. When we care about the lost, when we care about those who don't know the truth, when we care about them enough that we'll put aside our differences and then we'll do everything we can to reach them together. That is the power of one mission. That is what we're called to. We are all called to one mission. Not We don't have different ones. We don't have different messages. Every mission that we have is one. It all is the same. It may have a little bit different look. It may have a different appearance. It may even have different words. But it's the same mission. And, and we serve the same purpose on this earth. We are, as the church body, the purpose of our church. It, we're not to be like a marriage with no purpose. Remember that. We need to understand the point of our existence. Why are we here? What has God given us to do? What task is at hand? It's obvious, at least for those of us who have been there, who understand what it means. We are to go into all this world and preach the gospel, to share the gospel, to share the message. The Bible says in Revelation that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, by the, by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony, our story of redemption. That's what draws people into Christ. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit move through you, over you, upon you, in whatever fashion that you become bold in your in your message and your cry out for the lost. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening on this Thursday. Uh, we're almost to the weekend. Hang on. It's getting closer. Ron and I love you. We thank you for your support. We thank you for your prayers. Please continue to give. Please continue to pray over us. All of our giving links are on our website, www.livinglightoutdoors.com. Easy to find. Pin right to the top of our Facebook page as well. Support us if you can. Pray for us, please. We're praying for you. God bless you. We love you. We'll talk to you again real soon.